Amen? All right, here it is, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 1 through 5. Again, this is the Apostle Paul, and he writes, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Pray, too, that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people. For not everyone is a believer, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you. He will guard you from the evil one. And we are confident in the Lord that you are doing and you will continue to do the things we commanded you. May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and a full expression of the love of God and that patient endurance that comes from Christ. Amen. All right, well, we're going to walk through it verse by verse. First one here, finally, dear brothers, Paul says, dear sisters, we ask you to pray for us. So if you remember chapter 1, Paul has been praying for the Thessalonians. We've covered that in the past few weeks. If you uh, are are new to Lifespring or if you missed a couple of Sundays, I'd encourage you to go on our web, listen uh, to the weeks leading up to this. But Paul, he prays, right? He prayed that uh, God would make them worthy of his calling. He prayed that the name of Jesus would be glorified in and through their lives. But now Paul is switching things, isn't he? He is actually asking the Thessalonians to pray for him. And could we just get into the habit of doing that? I I love what Beth just talked about. Because I think it's so important that prayer isn't just a one-way street, that we would actually pray for one another. In fact, there's a gentleman at Northwest Church, and I'll text him every once in a while, and I always say, you know, hey, I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you, how can I be praying for you? And there's not even one single time that I can pray for him without him asking me back, texting me back, Pastor Dan, how can I be praying for you? Just get in the habit. Pray for others and let others pray for you. So Paul says again, I've been praying for you, but I could use some prayer myself. Specifically, he says this. He says, pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly. Everyone say, spread rapidly. I just love the action in that phrase. Spread rapidly just as it came to you. So where many of our prayer requests are very personal, right, praying for a sickness or praying for a job, which is very good and, and, and God cares about our, our needs, but Paul's prayer, I hope you notice this, his, his prayer is very others-centered, right? His prayer is that the good news of Jesus would spread. Now, not that it would just spread, but it would spread rapidly. Spreading of the message, the good news of Jesus Christ. In the last two weeks, I've been at two conferences. Two weeks ago, I was in L.A. at a church planners conference for that week. And then this last week, I was in Spokane at our Northwest District Conference, Foursquare, our Northwest District. It is, uh, we got uh, the state of Washington, we have Idaho, we have Montana, and we even have North Dakota. Praise the Lord for the two Foursquare churches in North Dakota. But that is our district. It it has around 217 Foursquare churches uh, in that district, and we had our conference this last week. By the way, the, lead, the district supervisor of that district is actually speaking, preaching here at Lifespring this next Sunday. So that is a huge honor for us. I mean, that kind of stuff just doesn't happen very often. But I got on his schedule like six months ago, uh, just was stubborn enough to make sure he got here. So uh, when he comes in, uh, just invite your friends, family, all those types of things. You're really going to be blessed. Uh, he's an amazing man of God. But there's this man over there in Spokane. His name's Brad Williams. His church actually has gone from 250 people a few years ago to now over 2,500 people, which is amazing. But he he spoke uh, this last week, and he said that when he was in New York City, 
he was doing some personal study, uh, reading his word. And while he was doing that study, the Lord spoke to him. And the Lord asked him this question. Brad, what would you do if you were the only church in the world? And so the question for us, LifeSpring, if this group of around 150 people, if we were the only church in the world, what would we do? Well, I'll tell you what we'd do. We'd begin to send you out. How hilariously stupid would it be if we just continued to stay in our little box as the world went to hell? What would we do, church? What would we do? We we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. We would be having a dialogue. We would be having a debate on how do we get the word of God to spread rapidly out there. You're out of here. You're going there. You're going west, east, north, and south. We're spreading the good news of Jesus. By the way, have you read the book of Acts? Sounds similar, doesn't it? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. To where? To the ends of the earth. Spreading it out. The gospel, spreading it out. We're actually the byproduct of that, aren't we? Marcy uh, mentioned that just earlier. 2001. What was the church's name that uh, we were birthed out of? Anyone know? Northwest Church. What town is that in? Federal Way. Yeah, Federal Way, Washington. Uh, Chad and Yvonne. Remember the Skilperorts? It's a really hard last name to pronounce, but, uh, you know, don't try to spell it. But Chad and Yvonne Skilperort planted out of Northwest Church in 2001. I just want to share some stats with you. Uh, 80% of the churches in America have either plateaued or are declining. So, for instance, our church, we're a plateaued church. We've been out about 150 for four or five years now. Uh, 80% either plateaued or declining. There's 16% of churches in America that are growing. So they're adding uh, numbers to their church. They're, they're reaching some of their community. They're growing uh, in those numbers. There's only 4% of churches who are replicating themselves. So, so there's actually other churches like what happened to Northwest Church. They'd be in that 4%. A church that has birthed another church. Now only 2% were on purpose. So that means 2%. What were the other 2% about? Church split, right, or accident, accidentally uh, creating a new congregation. And then the idea of a multiplicating church, a church that is just constantly birthing new churches, constantly reproducing itself, uh, there aren't enough churches in America that are doing that to even make it on the, the statistic, on the chart. You know, it's not uh, relevant, statistically even relevant. And, and the Lord has been stirring LifeSpring to be a part of that 4% in reproducing. Amen? I'll say it again, because this is where we're going. The Lord has been calling for six and a half years for LifeSpring to be a reproducing church. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Often people tell me there are already enough churches out there. There's enough churches. Why do you need another church? How miserably terrible, horrific would have that been for me and my family and a lot of you if Chad and Yvonne Skilperort would have listened to that advice? That is the worst advice I've ever thought, I've ever heard. How ridiculous that is. Listen to this. Churches like ours that have plateaued, do you know how we grow? We grow through church transfer, transfer growth. By the way, that is not why I gave up my pre-med biology degree to become a pastor, so that I could just have people from other churches come to our church now. I'm happy you're here. Praise the Lord for you. I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of the body. But anyone else, just give up everything because you thought that you might want to be a part of lost people being found, blind people seeing, lame people walking. Anybody else in here? That The reason that you became a part of a body like this is because you saw people were dying. 
And he said, no, not on my watch. Jesus Christ, use me for your glory and the advancement of your kingdom. I think there's a lot of us in this room that you got goosebumps when I said that because you're like, amen. Yes, in the name of Jesus. But listen to this. Transfer growth is usually what happens in churches uh, that are established like ours. Listen to that compared to this stat. In new congregations, in church plants, 42% of the people in a new congregation, 42% are people who were previously unchurched. 42% that were not going to church anywhere. And in a new congregation, a new plant, now they are coming to church, becoming a part of a family. Hallelujah. That, that just gets me going, church. I mentioned Jacob Powers, who, again, he was at that men's retreat. He's now a, a, a pastor in Airway Heights. He planted a church there. They tried to start another church, a, a second one, and it failed. And by the way, church plants often fail. The stats on church plantings failing is very, very high. But guess what? He's trying again. He's going for it again. You know why he's going for it again? Because 42% of people in new congregations and new church plants are people who are previously unchurched. It's not just transfer growth, but it's people who are not following and walking with Jesus who are now in a community of God. And it's worth it. You always learn. You always grow. Good, bad, or ugly. Successful or a failure. You're always growing. You're always learning. I love what Lane Corley, a church planner in Louisiana, says. This is him. Quote, he says, Failure in church planning is never final. It's only feedback. If a church plant doesn't make it, it usually leaves behind some changed people. And we can say it's cultivated the ground for something in the future. Amen. That's so good. But let's be honest. There's a great risk in following Christ. Jacob Powers is a good example. A great risk in him following Christ. He was, by the way, a sushi manager uh, before he became uh, a church planner. There's a great risk in giving it all up and, and following the call of God in your life. You don't walk on water until you have the faith to get out of the boat. Amen? I bet if we went around this room, we could actually tell stories. We could share amazing stories of when each one of you took that step of faith. Right? Those moments that cost you something, that moment when risk was involved. And I'm sure there'd be stories of the amazing and powerful things that the Lord did through you as you stepped out in faith. But you know what? There'd also be stories of trials, of hardships, of even failures. But guess what? You did what Jesus was calling you to do. And it's always worth it when you do what God is calling you to do. You've often heard the story from me of my grandpa doing a tent revival as his nine-year-old daughter died. I do not believe my grandpa was disobeying the Lord. We don't understand all of those circumstances and situations, but God is faithful and we must be faithful to him as well. The calling he has on our lives, you walk forward into what he's calling you to do. And I just know that God is calling us, LifeSpring Church, to help men and women plant churches in this area. You heard Caleb Kaitonen. Remember Caleb, the church planner in, in uh, Seattle? And do you remember what he told you? He said, in the 12 years of me raising support, I have never had a church reach out to me and just offer me money. Lifespring, you were the first. Can you just give yourselves a round of applause for that one? Come on. You don't know if you want to applause because that's money and money makes you nervous. But one of the ways you can know where your heart is is where your money is. But Lifespring, we give. And we give, and we give, and there's fruit in our giving. We have been blessed. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen? 
Amen. But I want to encourage you in this. I want to encourage you in this. We want to be a part of a movement of replicating ourselves. (laughs) Milton, Sumner, Fredrickson, Fife, Federal Way, Bonnie Lake. I don't know if we're going to be successful in the eyes of the world, but we'll call it feedback. And we can be confident that regardless of the result, ground is being cultivated, seeds are being planted, and what God wants to grow, guess what, church? He's going to make it grow. Mary and I, we're just having a blast these days. I don't think I've ever been happier as a pastor. Mary and I, we we just know that the Lord has given us vision for this future, this next season at LifeSpring. And, And by the way, we have not been called to grow a church. That's never been a real heartbeat of ours. But we know that we have been called to be a part of the advancement of God's kingdom. And LifeSpring, we are set up right now as a church. We are blessed right now to be a part of it all. And, I, and again, I know this, I'm not speaking to everyone here. I heard it in the applause. But some of you, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for playing your part. Others of you, get on the bus. It's not too late for you to get, get on the bus. There is room on the bus for you. Because LifeSpring, there's still work to be done. There's still work to be done. Let's pray that the Lord's message would spread quickly. Quickly quickly and be honored even as it came to you hallelujah next verse he says pray too that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people for not everyone is a believer can i get amen to that one yeah you ever feel the opposition of wicked and evil people we might not even use those kinds of words to describe them but these are the people that when you share what god is doing in your life they just don't want to hear it Have you ever been into your, maybe it's your home, maybe that's where that environment is, maybe it's your workplace, maybe, I don't know what that is for you, but it's a a place where you just, you're just cultivating that ground, you you want something good and holy to come out of it, and they're the ones who just rise up and they quickly oppose the things of God. But I want to encourage you, and, and it's why it's so important that we do pray for one another. When your brother or your sister in Christ is attacked, when they're accused, pray for them. Pray for them. Be quick to pray for them, pray for their rescue. And as Paul says in the very next verse, he says, but the Lord is faithful. Hallelujah. He's faithful and he will strengthen you and he will guard you from the evil one. Let's put those together. He says, pray for rescue from wicked and evil people, but also know that the Lord is faithful and will strengthen and guard you from the devil. I hope you notice what just happened there in that passage. Paul says, pray that we will be rescued from evil people, but then know that the Lord is faithful. He will guard us against the evil one. First he's talking about people, but then all of a sudden he switches to the devil. That's not by accident. We must be spiritually aware, spiritually mature, to know that when the evil one attacks, he often uses people. He just does. Sometimes they don't even know they're being used. One of Satan's greatest schemes is to use people to hamper, to disrupt, to disorient, to confuse the spread of the message of Jesus. And again, that's why prayer is so important. Prayer does something in the spiritual realm. I I love what you said, Betts, because when you know you've been attacked, you begin to pray. And you even pray for the person who's attacked you. 
You pray for that person who attacked your character. You pray for that person who doubted your integrity. You pray for the person. You do battle for them, that the Lord would have breakthrough in their life. Pray even that they would turn, that they would not oppose, but they would support the advancement of the kingdom of God. Maybe it's a principle at your school, right? Only you would know. I don't know what's going on in your life, but think about where that opposition is. Maybe it's a boss at your work. Maybe it's someone in your home. I encourage you, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray that their lives might be used for the glory of God and for the advancement of the kingdom instead of for the evil one. But then know this, even if they don't turn, and even if they continue to be used by the devil, trust in the faithfulness of God that he will strengthen you and he will guard you from the evil one. Next verse. And we are confident in the Lord. I love this. He says, and we are confident in the Lord that you are doing and you will continue to do the things we commanded you to do. Again, listen to what he says. He says, we're confident in the Lord that you're doing and you will continue to do what we commanded you to do. That you'd love God, that you'd love others, that you'd increase in faith, you'd grow in love, you'd stay strong, you'd stand firm, you'd hold fast, you'd be patient, you'd be gentle, you'd bear with one another. You'd express Jesus, not just believe in Jesus, but express in an active faith, Jesus, to your community. A great question I hope you could ask yourself this morning is this. Am I doing what God is calling me to do? Am I doing the things that God is asking me to do? Because I'm actually very confident in God's ability to direct us. He's always speaking, but we have to be listening. And not only do we have to be listening but obeying, to listen and to obey the things that God is asking us to do. Maybe today, I I know we're all at different stages of the journey of life, and maybe today you're just like, hey, Pastor Dan, I don't really know what the Lord's voice even would sound like. And so even as I'm speaking today, I'd say this, ask the Lord to give you ears to hear. Ask him, Lord Jesus, I want to hear. And then I would encourage you, the next step, open your word. Open the Bible. Dive into the Bible and pay attention to what he's saying. Or maybe you're already hearing from the Lord and you're like, yeah, I I know the Lord's voice. But maybe you're hearing, but again, you aren't doing what he's asking you to do. For some of us, I think it's because we kind of feel like we got burned the last time you did something for Jesus. You ever been there before? That you you, you thought you were obeying the Lord and and the way it turned out, you're just like, man, I don't know. I I don't know if I... I can, I can even do that again. I don't know if I have the bandwidth to follow Jesus again. If that's you, I'll just say this. I was thinking about it this week. We are so wired to love the Hollywood movie. You know, as Americans, we're just wired to love the Hollywood movie with the perfect ending, right, where the guy gets the girl or the team wins the game, the hero saves the day. But following Jesus, I hate to break it to you, Sometimes it doesn't always fit a Hollywood ending. It's so weird how surprised people are at trouble. Christians just like, well, I didn't know this was going to happen. Because you thought there was a Hollywood ending. Listen to Scripture. Let's go to the Word. Let's hear the Hollywood ending that Peter gets. This is from his Savior, his Deliverer, his Rescue. This is what Jesus says to one of the greatest disciples who have ever walked this earth. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, Peter... When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But Peter, when you were old, 
you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. After saying all of this, Jesus looks to Peter and says, follow me. Follow me. For many of you, the Lord is calling you. He is asking you, follow me. But again, you're afraid to answer that call because you're worried about how the ending might look. That's a normal fear. We all have those kinds of fears. But if you say yes, oh, glory to God, if you say yes, say yes to the Lord. Say yes to God. Say yes to his calling. He will give you the strength that you need. He will give you the faith that you need to say yes to him. I, I got the privilege of praying over a, a man uh, for his ordination on Wednesday night, and he was being ordained as a pastor. And, and as I was sitting there, the Lord just gave me a strong word for him. I said, this is not about you. This is about God and God's call on your life. He has a call in your life. He is leading you. And I told him, I said, you need to get out of the way. Stop overcomplicating the call of God in your life. You simply say yes to God. Yes to God and trust him with your future. I think that's a word for many of us in this room. Get out of your own way and say yes to God, trusting him with your future. All right, next verse, he says, And may the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and full expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. This is a beautiful scripture. I just want to spend a little time on it. It's absolutely powerful. He says, may the Lord lead your heart, my heart, into what? A full understanding and expression of God's love. A full understanding of the love of God. That's powerful, isn't it? I mean, do you know how much God loves you? Do you know that the creator of the universe loves you so much that he would send his, his one and only son to die for you? The Bible says this is love, not that we loved him, but that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God first loved us. That we'd allow our hearts to receive a full understanding of God's love. Uh, my a supervisor, Lance Powers, over at Puget Sound Christian Center, just a couple of months ago, he was coaching me, and he said, Dan, I just feel like I need to let you know that God loves you, which is an interesting thing for me to hear. Do you know how many messages I've preached? Probably, you know, dozens upon dozens upon dozens of messages on the love of God. And yet, in that moment, I just broke down crying. Because guess what? I needed to understand again that God loves me. By the way, if you don't love me, God does. Number two, may the Lord lead your heart into a full expression of God's love. So not only do we come to an understanding of his love, but also experience the full expression of his love. Not just in us, but through us. One of the most powerful parts of being here in Edgewood at Life Spring is I get to see the love of God, the expression of God's love through you. Bets, I love what you talked about with the move. I got to witness that. It was Kent Ross and Laura Ranow, Dave Ranow, Andrew Andrus, Tucker Mayer, Bob May to help Bets move. And, and they didn't just help her. Have you ever uh, been around the grumpy helper? Like just 
get, you know, like the bitter servant, right? Just like, ah, like you should have just stayed home. But no, they were helping with the most positive attitudes. And it was from, again, around 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., about six hours of them just singing. And, and I was singing too, and, and just serving and moving. And I know each one of them, they had other things to do. Laura ran out, if you remember, she preached the next day. She had to get ready for that. Andrew, he had an entire eight-hour shift that night. Kent Ross, oh my goodness, Kent Ross. He went home. He didn't go home, actually. He came here afterwards to set up the baptismal. I was thinking about Kent. He, he, he did that all day Saturday. And Kent, he's a school teacher, a science teacher over at a local school. But a Saturday working all day. And then Sunday morning comes in at 6 in the morning making sure the baptismal over here had the heater working. And that was just right for the baptism. And then after the baptism was over, he tore it down. And then he comes back a couple of hours later to teach a class on the history of Israel Sunday night. Kent didn't just have the knowledge of God's love. But he expressed God's love in practical ways. Monday night we had almost 40 women who came here. Forty women who came. That's incredible. That's such a beautiful thing to me. Forty women who came for an Acts 2 night. But one of the greatest things, my wife flew to Spokane after that to meet me over there for the conference. And I said, how would it go? And she goes, the best part about it was so many of them stayed afterwards to clean up. Praise the Lord. That's an expression of the love of God. And then Paul says, and I'll close with this. May the Lord lead you into the patient endurance That comes from Christ. Patient endurance. And one word comes to mind when I read that phrase. Maturity. Maturity. Patient endurance. That comes from Christ. A patient endurance. It's a sign of a Christian who is allowing the Holy Spirit to mature them in Christ. An immature Christian, and we've all been there before. We're tossed to and fro, right? You hear a word you don't like, and you're zoom, or you see something you don't like, and zoom. And we've all been there. By the way, I, if you're here this morning, realize I still got areas where I'm very, very immature, and I need the Lord to do a good work in me. But if you're realizing here this morning that you don't have that patient endurance, that you run when the pressure rises, I could hope that you could admit that today. That you could admit and be honest about that today but then ask the lord to help you again we've all been there before i have got plenty of areas in my own life but you ask the lord in the name of jesus to grow you up in that area to grow up to mature in the lord jesus christ and remember with that verse he says the patient endurance where does it come from what did you say ray Christ, two points. It comes from Christ. It's so powerful. So this isn't something that you just muster up or kind of grit your teeth. It comes from Christ. The power comes from Christ. So ask the Lord for that patient endurance that does not bail, that does not leave, does not abandon when the pressure comes, but instead it remains. It endures, allowing the Lord to do a good work. In you. I heard Nikki Gumbel, many of you are a part of our daily Bible reading plan here at the church, and Nikki Gumbel said this last week. He said, Don't act like pressure is a bad thing. He says, Without pressure, a lump of coal will never become a diamond. So for some of you, I even encourage you this, maybe just write this down to the Lord. Lord Jesus, 
Lord Jesus, in this time of pressure, give me patient endurance in your name. In your name. So it's a pretty powerful passage. I've walked through it quickly as I know we have some testimonies and other things going on today. But more than anything with this passage, I just want you to see how alive and active our faith in Christ is meant to be. Right? You don't just say yes to Jesus, put them in your back pocket, and then just live the same way you've been always living, hoping that when you get to heaven, you go to heaven instead of hell. That is not the Christian life. It is meant to be an abundant, vibrant, transforming, ever-changing life. And the Bible is calling you. It is calling you to life. We are called by the word to step out and to grow up, to become more like Christ. And it is messy and you will make mistakes. But by the grace of God, you can keep moving forward into an adventurous, life-giving walk with Christ. I'm going to read this passage one more time. And I want you to pay attention to maybe where God is wanting to make you more like Christ. Maybe an area where he wants to become active in your life. I hope you're open to what he might want to do in you today. Again, Paul says this. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. So the activity of your faith, where you'd open your mouth with words, praying for your brothers and your sisters in Christ. But he says, pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly. That the good news of Jesus Christ wouldn't just sit here and be buried at Life Spring, but it would spread to the ends of the earth and spread quickly but it would also be honored wherever it goes just as when it came to you remember when the word came to you life spring what a gift it was when the salvation news came to you do not hold on to the salvation news let it spread quickly out of you do not become a lake be a river where his goodness and salvation flows he says pray too that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people rescued There's activity. You're not just in active faith, but God is active. Did you know that God is actively working on your behalf? Do you believe that? Or are you just on your own trying to make it another day? Or is there an active God who is actively rescuing you from wicked and evil people? The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you. He will guard you from the evil one. And we are confident in the Lord that you are doing And we'll continue to do the things we commanded you. It's okay to do things for the Lord. We give you permission to do the things that he created in advance for you to do. And he says, may the Lord, may the Lord lead your heart. Not yourself, not gritting your teeth, not just rising up in willpower. But may the Lord lead your heart into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. I know that passage has spoken to me a lot this week. I hope it speaks to you as well. We wanted to close this service with another testimony. And would you guys please just be very honoring and and just give a good welcome to Katie Petaskey. Um, so Pastor Dan has um, met with me a couple times this summer over some things that were really, really shaking up my life and my faith in God and was 
so gracious with sharing his time and his wisdom. And um, a lot of our family here at LifeSpring also came alongside me during that time. So many women in our church. Um, so this is like a little Oscar speech, but I wrote down the names so I could thank them personally. Like Angie, Linda, Lori, Sheila, Jody, Debbie, Cindy, Kyla, Holly, Kaylin. I mean, it's so many others. And my point in just listing the names is that I love that we're a church that does pray for each other and that I could lean on other people when I got a vision for a lot of the times about, like, you know, Moses. Not that I was doing anything Moses-like, but, like, the lifting of the arms, you know. That's what it feels like so many times. I'm already going to cry. But um, I just knew that I needed to step up for God in a new way. And so last week I was talking to Pastor Dan about that and Pastor Wayne and we kind of came around like maybe it's just a time for a good testimony. So, but even in the midst of that this week, I did email say, oh, by the way, I have another one too. <laughs> Can I do a twofer? He's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I'm sharing a twofer testimony today. Um, so I'll share the first one. So um, years, years back, like probably like six or seven years ago, um, I knew God. I, at least I, you know, in my child's heart, I knew him as much as I did. And but around then, I was a junior and senior in college at WSU, and um, this is this is the saving power of the Lord. He saves us. We don't save ourselves. And he just grabbed hold of me that time and just introduced Christ to me more than just what I heard in a church. And um, it was such an amazing time. Like, I felt alive, and it was wonderful. And I knew after about a year and a half of that time that I was like, I needed to rededicate my baptism. I say rededicate because, you know, I came from a church where we were baptized as infants, and so that was just, you know, what you did at that point if you wanted to rededicate. So um, this was now my senior year I did it, and it was great. I was so excited, but funny enough, like almost immediately after, go figure, um, there was a huge spiritual attack. And I didn't even know what spiritual attack meant at that point. But I just knew that all of a sudden there was just something hit me that was wrapped up in fear, depression, and anxiety. And it just swept me off my feet and it was small it started but then it grew and grew and grew meanwhile I thought I was going on to really big things because I was going to go to graduate school in Spokane and I was going to be a teacher and I had all these plans and then I was like I don't think I can do this and so anyway so fast forward now in graduate school and um it just I I felt like a crazy person if I'm going to be really blunt my thoughts no longer felt like my own this fear had totally taken over, and I just w- felt like how I felt like my life would never be the same. I never thought I'd have my mind back or any kind of semblance of a normal life. And meanwhile, I was trying to be a teacher. I'm like, I can't teach. <laughs> how can a person teach like this? But and this is why I give credit to God because I didn't sustain myself in that point. By all human standards, I should have never been able. To live on my own in a city I didn't know anybody, to live in an apartment by myself, go to school, teach children. Like, there is no way I should be able to function. But he sustained me. And he sustained me through so many ways. And But the number one way was the word. And so I have such a love for his word now from it. because, And I encourage everyone to... Go to the word when you don't think you can do anything because I would have days where I didn't trust my own thoughts. I didn't trust my own feelings, but I opened a Psalms and it literally fed me. And I could point to the verse and say, he won't let my foot stumble. 
And I didn't think it. I didn't even know if I believed it fully. But I said, well, if he says my foot won't stumble, then I'm not going to stumble. And that's what his word does. And he did lead me, and I'll be real too, because I also don't want there to be condemnation if you're in a place like this. He did lead me to very practical medical resources too, so I don't want there to be condemnation for that either, if that's where God leads you. And I knew at that point he did, but I also knew I had to put it in its place. I committed to him, like, this thing that these ways are going to help me are not going to be the salvation or the source of my healing. It's going to be your tools to help me, but it's all going to come from you. Um, And ultimately... um, I can't say it went away instantly, but it was one day where it just hit me, where I was like, again, like crying out to the Lord, like, how do I know? How do I know I don't have to be afraid of this thing? How do I know I don't have to live in fear? How can I be certain? And the word that just came in my head, I was in the middle of a Barnes and Noble of all things, and it just, and he speaks to me a lot in bookstores. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but it was like, believe. And like, that's such a simple word, and it probably had heard it at any other point, but it was in that moment, I just was like, oh, I just have to trust you, and then that's my certainty. It's so simple, but it was like it took all that time for it to like click. And again, it wasn't instant, but it took time. But my point in sharing this story in particular is that at the midst of all that, at one point I was totally white-knuckling it at the driving, at the steering wheel one, one day, just crying out and being like, God, if you save me from this, I will tell everybody about you. Which I don't re- recommend making big promises like that because that's like really hard because now I'm like, well, how do I know when I'm done? <laughs> um, <laughs> But I've never done it yet, and so I was like, okay, Pastor Dan, I have to do it because I've never made it officially, like, publicly good on that. So this is my effort to make publicly good. Like, uh, <laughs> it, I just knew in that moment, that place, I was like, if you will save me from this, then everyone needs to know that you're going to save them from anything. So he will save you from anything because <laughs> I didn't think he could. I mean, not that he couldn't, but I just didn't think it was going to be possible, but he did it. So... Praise God for that first. Um, so anyway, so since then, there's been definitely recurrences here and there of that kind of stuff that I went through at that point. But the thing is, it's like, I keep reminding myself, it doesn't matter. Like, God's still in charge. He's still over it, and he's still in control. Um, so anyway, fast forward now to my more recent story this summer. So um, I was really digging into Pastor Dan's series and all of our other speakers about the road trip this summer. And I definitely felt like at that point, around like June, May, I was like ready for like the next step in my faith, you know, like walking in the spirit, like being a hundred percent. And then after Mary's testimony too, I was like, yes, I know that's me. I'm like that 99.4, or maybe that's too like gracious of myself. Like maybe I'm like 89. Point, yeah, I don't know. And so I was like, okay, I have to be a hundred percent. And so I was like, I'm gonna do it. And then I felt like I committed that in my heart, like yes. But then again, it was like that spiritual attack again, where it was like the enemy was coming back. It's like, well, you're going to fall away. You're going to give up. Like, following God's boring. It's not worth it. You know, like, you give in to him, he's going to take away all your joy. But it's like, and so again, I had to turn back to the word, because I thought, like, I know this. I know how to fight this. Like, throw the word. Like, there's joy in his presence. There's pleasures forevermore at his right hand. Um, but then I made a mistake. And so I encourage you, don't make this mistake. Don't talk back to the enemy kind of like Eve in the garden, like, I definitely started talking back and making, trying to argue back, like, well, no, that's not true, because God did this and this and this and this, just shut it down, (laughs) because then that set me on a spiral downward that didn't go to good places, so suddenly what started out is just trying to, like, give 100%, I spent a lot of my summer in a really dark pit, Um, my mom's here, she can attest, like, it was ridiculous, (laughs) um, 
and it just spiraled into kind of a, actually a crisis of faith. And so I was like, at one point, I was like, how did I get here? <laughs> but it's because I just kept letting the doubt and the fear come in. But anyway, none of, that's not the point. The point is, again, God showed up. In that time where I, I was so ridiculous and couldn't sustain myself, and I honestly, at one point, it felt like he was gone. It felt like physically this darkness inside had settled in, and there was now a void, and I couldn't feel God. I couldn't feel the Spirit, and I just felt so alone. But I look back now, and it's like, even though I didn't feel him, his hand was evident. And his hand was evident through all those people that I shared in the beginning where I didn't feel God's love. I felt he hated me. And all these people were coming alongside me and loving me. And just in the practical sense, he was providing. Like, I didn't want to cook. I didn't want to do anything, but he would give me food. Like, I'd go out to eat, and I had money in my bank account, you know, to do that. In my home, something weird happened in my home where I got ants, and I had to, like, pack up my apartment. And it just was like, and then I got fleas, and it was just something, you know. One of those things. And so then like, he gave me a bed. He had Angie stay one night till midnight just helping me wash my sheets so I could have a bed to sleep on again because I had stripped everything of everything. Um, but what was funny was that in the midst of that time, this is what I was sharing too, God definitely revealed some things to me about him and about Christ. And so I told you how God had like taken hold of me. And I was like, yes, now I know Jesus. But he revealed like a new depth of Jesus that I had never really comprehended, at least in my heart maybe. So one weekend, um, I'm driving actually again with my mom. We were going to Ocean Shores, and I'm reading aloud from The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi, which I highly recommend by Kathy Lee Gifford. Um, but she writes it with a messianic, a, ra- a rabbi who's a messianic Jew. And he was talking about Jesus' travels and Israel, comparing like our Bible stories we know to the actual historic places. And it was like, we were in the car, I remember this moment, and it was like it hit me after I read one chapter, and boof, and I felt like my insides were on fire, and I was like, wait a minute, Jesus is real, <laughs> which I know is like, duh, but like, it was like, hit me though, and it, I mean, honestly, I'm not going to be ashamed about it, it's like, it, Jesus is real? Like, he walked? He breathed. He like had blood in his veins, and he's like it's easy to think about God up here and like Jesus up here, but then like Jesus is such a mystery that he's God and man all one, and it blew me away. And actually, I wish I could say it was like an oh so free moment, but it was like a ah what have I been doing my whole life moment. Like that was insane. And so I spent a better part of that weekend like being in our hotel room or then excusing myself to the bathroom and be in the hotel room for five minutes and I'd go back to the bathroom for five minutes. I didn't have to go to the bathroom. Sorry, that's really embarrassing. I just was having, having to pray privately because I was, like, processing this. But then just, like, letting God speak, like, he revealed. So first off, I don't know if anyone else needs to hear this, but, like, Jesus is real and he's God. And it's a mystery, but it's true. And it's a life-saving mystery that's true. And... He also hit me because I I deal with a lot of works-based attitudes. I don't know if anyone else is like that or self-reliance. Even I'm like, yes, it's the grace of God that saves me. It's still like, well, I've got to, you know, prove it or whatever. Maybe not even consciously. But then he hit me with this truth, again, not of me like, push. Like, my grace is free. You don't have to do anything. You just receive it. 
Um, and then a couple days after that, he, he revealed even more. Where I was reading this devotional by Max Lucado, and it was talked about how because the resurrection is true, it's safe to believe. And I was like, whoa. I guess I've been, like, I was like, the thought that came to mind was, like, I've been doubting the resurrection because how could a man and God and all this be really resurrected? But then it hit me, I was like, the resurrection is true. And if God raised Jesus from the dead, he's going to raise me. He's going to raise you <laughs> when you believe in him and trust in him. I was like, what? And then not even like 30 minutes later from that, I was at a friend's house sharing with this. I was like, oh, my gosh. And she's like, she's a Christian. She's like, start worshiping him. I was like, okay. And so she's like on the floor crying. And I'm like, I don't know what to do, but I'll go on the floor too. And we're like, oh. And so but then like a little bit after that, then again it hit me where it's like, again, not of me, just like this wave, like, boosh, like you have nothing to give me but a dead body and a dead heart but then I will give you life. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I was crying again. So uh, um, all that to say, like, I'm, again, it's like that, like we talked about, like Pastor Gunn talked about that Hollywood ending. I can't say it's like a Hollywood ending right now because I'm still, like, owning this stuff and walking through it with God and knowing, like, okay, I just got to trust it now, trust you now. And um, But... I just feel like, you know, we all need, maybe, maybe you already know that, and you're like, yeah, this is old news, but then also I feel like sometimes we need it to be refreshed for us, because after all that, again, like I said, it was like, what am I doing with my life? Again, like Caleb, like Caleb was saying, like, it hit me, it was like, what in the world are we all doing here on church every Sunday, and then, like, it's, I'm just speaking for me, I don't want to put this on anyone else, but like, and then just being like, like we say, like, you know, God in a bottle, or God is our genie in a bottle, I'm like, these things are amazing. Like, God is so much bigger and holier. Like, that was, I was just like, holy. That, like, the thought that came to me was, number one, everybody needs to know this. And number two, like, like because he lives, I'm going to live. And number three, I have literally nothing to be afraid of. Like, nothing to be afraid of. Like, I kind of, for the first time, I mean, probably in the moment it would be a totally different story, but in the, like, at that point in the moment, I was like, I get, I think I get, why Peter would be, like, unafraid of dying. Because it's like, you can literally saw off my arm. I don't care. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to be with Jesus. Like, who cares? Um, so now I'm just praying for more of that, you know, because time passes. Like, Lord, I just want to live unafraid of death and life because I'm in you and I'm already alive. So... Um, just God is so good he's a lot holier and bigger than sometimes I will want to think or maybe others want to think and um, just thank you God